Hey there, and welcome to What The 50 Podcast, a show for women of a certain age, you know who you are, because it's never too late to start living your best life. I'm your host, Cindy Bell. Let's get this started. Here we go. Hello, everybody. I'm here with my very special guest today, Tammy Colding. Welcome, Tammy. Hi, Cindy. How are you? So great. I am so excited to have you on because I've known you for what, six months now? Yes. Only six months, but we have like this connection and attachment that is super strong because let me just tell you all, you've all heard me talk about Shield Maiden, the immersion program that I went through that like was the impetus for my book. And the beginning of my book has all this story about me going to Shield Maiden myself. I met Tammy at her Shield Maiden class where I was running support. I was one of the coaches there and Tammy was coming through for the first time going through immersion. That's where I met her. And I just want to share her with you because she's also a woman of a certain age and she has completely rebuilt her life. Her story is mind blowing. It's phenomenal. And I want to have her share it with all of you because it is crazy good. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Tammy, lay the background where what has your life been like so far give give us just just give me your story in in a nutshell in a nutshell when I was two years old my mother abandoned me in a deer shack along with my brothers and sisters and nailed the door of that deer shack shut and left us there to die by a miracle we were rescued I was adopted out to a wonderful family but I carried with me through life that stigma of abandonment and rejection and no matter how much love my family gave me and on into adult life, my, my first husband gave me, um, I didn't feel loved. I couldn't receive loved. I thought I was unlovable because my mother didn't love me. She threw me away like trash. Yeah. Fast forward. I destroyed my first marriage. Wonderful man loved my dirty socks. Just a great man. And I walked away saying, you don't love me because I couldn't receive love. Um, fast forward uh, another few years, I get remarried to a man that takes me down a very, very dark path. And during that time of that marriage, I'm pregnant. Uh, I give birth to a premature daughter, two pounds, one ounce, uh, brought her home from the hospital when she was four pounds. Um, she was a total care baby. She was on an apnebradycardia machine, had to be fed one cc of formula every hour on the hour. She had a week pylorus valve in her stomach to where, um, cause it wasn't formed. Once she drank formula, if she got the least bit tensed up tight, it came, she did this projectile vomiting. Um, she was born at 29 weeks with a prolapse cord and I was the only one that could feed her because she wasn't even supposed to be born yet. So if anybody else tried to feed her, my parents, my husband's parents, anybody tried to feed her, she did this projectile vomiting. Literally she had to be fed every hour on the hour. Mm-hmm. Total care, total care baby on an apnea bradycardia machine to alert us and sound an alarm uh, if she stopped breathing or she um, her heart stopped beating in her sleep. Um, it was just total care. During that period of time, I um, my my husband I I was sleeping in thirty minute intervals. Went for several months of sleeping in thirty minute er- intervals, having to get up every every thirty minutes to feed the baby because it took thirty minutes to feed her. So during that time, um, I just told my husband one day when he came from, from work, I'm going to wake up one day and the baby's going to be dead because I'm going to sleep for eight hours. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I couldn't go to work. Um, the next day he brought me home a little bit of a white powder substance. 
And I had been taking these like Dexatrim diet pills uh, to kind of because of the caffeine to stay awake. And I honestly thought that it was some kind of a diet pill. And he was showing me another way to use it. And he lined it up on a plate and rolled up a bill. Before long, I was hooked on cocaine. Mm. I was so naive. I didn't naive. I didn't even realize it was cocaine. And um, that began the very dark path in my life uh, of dealing with drug dealers and people in um you know, dealing with marijuana and cocaine and just people I normally wouldn't associate with. Um, in 1986, uh, a man that was a friend of my ex-husband's was murdered, um, shot to death right beside me. And uh, in 1987, I went to prison for his murder, uh, his shooting death and uh, with a 60 year sentence. And I had to serve 30 years in prison. Okay, so let me stop you. Everyone who's listening right now is going, what? <laughs> that took a turn. You, you served 30 years. All women's facility, correct? Um, no. The, the first prison I went to was a women's facility, but during my, the time of my uh, incarceration, I was transferred to two co-ed facilities at different times wow. where male and female inmates were, and that was a um, disaster <laughs> created by the Illinois Department of Corrections. Yes. I can't imagine. So, okay. There's so much here to unpack. We might have to do a part two, but you're in prison 30 years. Yes. You, let's just fast forward. There's, there's probably so much to talk about during that 30 year interim, but fast forward to you getting out and actually starting your life over and creating this incredible life and business that you have now. What do you attribute that to? When I was in prison, uh, my father came to me and he sat me down and he said, you got 30 years. What are you going to do with it? You don't get to waste 30 years of your life. How are you going to recreate yourself? Um, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to remember you by? He challenged me right there in the prison. And I began to go to college. Um, I began to work my way through college. This was not some institutional provided school. I began to work as a ghostwriter and make money to pay my way through correspondence schooling. And um, you had to pay for it. Yes. It wasn't offered. Like, no. So, how many degrees did you get in prison? I got two bachelor's degree and a master's degree. I started on the doctorate degree and just um, thought, I think I have enough for when I get out. How does somebody get out of 30 years behind bars and, and comes out a normal, functioning, loving human being like you are? No, let's let's erase the word normal right now and just throw it out. <laughs> Nobody's normal, right? No, not, no one's normal. So we're going to get rid of that word. Um, um, I got out and I had to start over. I was 52 years old. I had no one 401k. I had no retirement plan. It was hit the ground running, start over. Um, sink, there's no it, sink or swim. Failure was not an option. I had to learn the world. I, I have this little thing that I tell people. I had never drank from a Starbucks cup, tasted a Krispy Kreme donut, and Victoria didn't have a secret when I went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> so when, that's like one of my questions. When you got out, and looked at the world, you know, you were out there driving and everything's different because think of how technology just took off during that time, the nineties and 2000, 2010, you know, 
and what you had to actually learn when you got out. Were you just, oh, were you just stunned? I, I was great. It was crazy. It was, there was times I had to make phone calls. My mother was 94 years old and I moved in with her to take care of her, to keep her out of a nursing home. And there was times I needed to call uh, places for her and you get these automated phone systems. And I remember one time it was just like, I was so overwhelmed by this press one for this. If you need this, press this, if you know your extension number. And I picked up the phone and I threw it across. It was a landline phone. I threw it across the room and I was like, I can't do this. And it's like, Tammy, you have to do it. You don't have a choice. This is the world. Now you have to learn it. Now you have to, pull it together. And yeah, it, their failure was not an option. So when you, when you were in, did you have any access to TV or news or like, I mean, obviously you knew what a cell phone was, for example, but you didn't have one until you got out. No, absolutely not. No, uh, you're not allowed to have any cell phones in prison. Um, so yes, uh, we had uh, a little small TVs that we could buy uh, off of the commissary, the inmate commissary, and have it in our, our cell with us. And, you know, so you keep up on the news and you kind of learn the world through television. Okay. Um, you, you see people talking on cell phones. You know, I had um, the advantage of, you know, inmates coming in that had um, not served long period of time. So I learned a few things from them. And as I got closer and closer to getting out, I, you know, <laughs> pummeled them with questions to try to, you know, at least get a little bit of a, a, a cheat sheet for when I got out. But it, it was rough. So what about things like food when you got out, like new restaurants? Did you go crazy and just try all these new foods? Did you go out and get your hair done immediately? Did you buy a bunch of makeup? Did you buy a new wardrobe? Like, was it just a fire hose experience? Um. No, um, I didn't have the funds for any of that. Uh, my family, my my mother and my daughter picked me up and took me to Target. My mother gave me $300 and said, get what you need, honey. I'll never give you another dime. Wow. And that was it. I had two pairs of pants and a couple of t-shirts. And that was it. That's all I had. And I had to buy my shampoo and different things. And um, so I had to, I had to make money and I had to make it fast. Um, as far as going to all the restaurant, my mom was set in her ways and she had these few little things she liked to eat because, you know, she's older, she has an upset stomach a lot. And that's what we did. We did it mom's way, which was fine. Uh, I wasn't so excited about going to all the restaurants. Well, they did. We went to Target. We go to Olive Garden. That was the restaurant experience I had. We went home. And a few days later, I had to get my driver's license because okay. my mother was losing her. So restaurants weren't a big thing. Um, was driving hard to do after all those years? Not as hard as you would think. Uh, what was hard was my mother had an older Cadillac. So mm -hmm. it still functioned enough like the cars that I was used to um, that I could I could manage it. But um, there was a time when I took a job as a with a law firm up in Chicago, and every time I went up there, um, they wouldn't allow me to drive my mom's car up there, so I had to get a rental car. And I remember driving to Chicago one time, it's in the snow and ice, and going through a toll road and having to pay the money at the toll road, and coming out in the snow and ice is hitting me, and I didn't know how to turn up, pull up the windows on the car. I didn't realize you just lift the button. Oh, wow. <laughs> in the face, and it's like... So these are some life experiences of just things and things are different. 
I can't wrap my head around it, to be honest. I mean, and then how do you interact with people? How do you socialize when you get out? Because it's not like you had a bunch of friends pick you up, like, hey, Tammy, let's go out, right? You had to like, you had to make new friends. You had to. I had no one. No one. My friends were inside still. Yeah. My friends were inside. The ones that were out, I I chose to walk away and rebuild my life yeah. and not reconnect with, <clears throat> with the institutional community. Uh, and, and I was advised, many people advised me to do that, that start over. And when you get ready and get on your feet and you try to reach back to a few people you knew from the inside, then that's, that's different, but start over, get on your feet first. So you got on your feet. This was six years ago, seven years, six six years ago, six years ago. So between you getting out to where you are now, you own a publishing house, a multimedia business. Yes. Called Word. Do you want to tell us the name or? Um, The publishing house is Words Matter Publishing. we, we began the, um, as the publishing house got on its feet, I knew that there was a need for something greater. So it has, it has grown into the WMP multimedia network where we do television, uh, pr- produce television programming, publishing periodicals, and starting around the first of the year, we're going to be adding podcasting services. Okay. So basically you are looking to help other people, elevate other people, um, to share their stories and you're looking for authors you're looking for people who want a television channel people who want to you know you're going to be adding podcasting the irony in that is that you really should be telling your story which <laughs> is starting to happen you're finally going public at this point and this is why i snagged you on here so what does that feel like that you're finally out there actually telling your story well, I always knew it would come, but when I first got out, I had um, I had so much of life to learn and so much of living in this world to learn that it, this was just something that had to get pushed to the back of the plate. You know, it's it wasn't a top priority. Top priority was to get up, get operational and functional and to come up with a income stream that would sustain me and hopefully right. enable me to retire one day, maybe when I'm 95. I don't know. <laughs> but uh so, um, you know, I, I say that with the, the multimedia network, I learned the hard way with the publishing house that uh, when you're trying to fast track everything, grow a business fast, um, market yourself uh, fast, it, you have to be everywhere on every platform. And that's why we went into television with Roku and Amazon Fire is um, people need to be on all platforms. They, they need to, you want to be deemed an expert in your field. You not only need that book out, you not only need that podcast, but you really need to have your own television show on Roku and Amazon Fire. And it is accessible to people now and we make it really easy. You have to be everywhere doing everything to all people to be able to make it today. And that's how I figured it out in the publishing world. So I can imagine the learning curve was so steep. Um, why publishing? What what made you want to go into that field? Well, while I was incarcerated, I worked as a ghostwriter. Okay. And I, I took courses um, at a Christian Writers Guild. I took courses, which later became the Jerry B. Jenkins uh, Christian Writers Guild. And I uh, began ghostwriting for magazines and uh, publishers. So I had my foot in the door in the publishing industry. I published two books while I was incarcerated. And... Um, that was that was something I knew. Also, I had the responsibility of I was allowed to live at my mother's 
house for my two daughters um, if I cared for her. So going out and getting a job and leaving her every day was not part of the deal. So I had to start something that kept me right there to care for her. Um, so I started the publishing house. I got out uh, September 8th of 2016. Um, by November 7th, I had my publishing house of 2016. I had my publishing house up and running. Within a year, we were a six-figure company. Okay. That's crazy. <laughs> and this just really is a testament that anybody can do this. If you can be incarcerated for 30 years, come out at age 52 and yes. create a six-figure company in that amount of time, mm -hmm. nobody has any excuses. It gives you this amazing perspective on what actually, what we're capable of, because you had no choice. Right. You had to succeed or, you, you, or there was no or, there was no plan B. You had to succeed, Right. You know, they, they always tell you burn the ships. Cindy, I didn't have any ships to burn. Yeah. I had to go all in with what I had. And and, I, and the way I started the publishing house was, well, I, I started taking some little online jobs on these freelancer platforms. But the way I started the publishing house was, uh, they teased me, I started with a bag of pennies, but I actually found the, a bag, uh, a coin collection uh, that I had as a child. My father and I collected coins that I had as a child when I was cleaning my mother's house. And with the permission of my family, I sold three coins out of that bag and got enough money, a little over $3,000 to get my laptop, my router, my printer, my cell phone. And I was... I, and I learned, I went on, I found WordPress and I built my first website using WordPress and voila, I was a publishing house. Amazing. So based on where you are now, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's starting over? Either they're getting out of a bad marriage and they have to, you know, they've never worked and now suddenly they have to work or their spouse has died and they have no other option or somebody like you has been incarcerated and has to start over. I know that you, I saw in one of your TikTok videos, you said there's step one, step two, step three. So kind of take us through that. Well, um, people ask me how I did it. So on TikTok, because I could tell that a lot of people were in the same position that I was in, I, I'm taking it very slowly. And so I welcome people to follow me there. But I think the first thing you really have to do is you have to know that number one is possible. If, if you don't get your head in the game and you don't come at this from the angle of I can do this, you, you're, you're dead in the water. You'll never go forward. You'll never be able to. So you have to believe number one, it's possible. And you have to decide, you have to make the determination that I'm going to do it. That's, that's just so, so preliminary. You have to, you know, I'm going to do this. I was given no other option. Uh, while I had housing and food at my mother's house, that's all I had. If I drove the car, I had to put gas in the tank. I had to make that money. I had no clothing. <laughs> I had to go buy my own clothing. As far as getting my hair done, yes. The first time I, I dyed my hair, it was buying an $8 bottle of dye, box of dye at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, that was all that was, there was an option. I didn't have $100 to go to a hairdresser. So, I mean, you can start with what you have right now. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. But the first it, thing is to get your mind right and to believe that you can do it. And your story really is going to be used to help so many people inspire them. Well, she did it. Well, then, and, and, you know, I know that you work with a lot of women our age and uh, some of them have retired from their careers and they have this vision and they have this passion, yeah. something that 
passionate about, but that little fear factor comes into play and they don't want to try it. Definitely. You, you've got to just get over the fear, move forward, believe in yourself and, and take that step forward. Even believe in yourself, even when you really don't believe in yourself, right? Do it afraid. I, you know, in prison, I, I read a great book by Joyce Myers, do it afraid. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Um, it, that we have to do a lot of things that we're afraid to do. I was afraid to walk into that prison. I was afraid to get out and face society. I learned that many things we do in life, we do afraid. Yep. And, and as you do it over and over, fear subsides and it becomes natural to you. It doesn't matter whatever mistakes you've made in life, yeah. how deep, dark and dirty they are like mine. Um, it doesn't matter how many times you've fallen and uh, tried something and it didn't work. You know, get back up get back up, get back in the game, believe in yourself again, get good coaching, get get good assistance, find that person that is your cheerleader that's going to walk beside you and help you walk through this on this path. You know, I had a successful company, but there was still a lot of hurt and damage in me. When I came through the Shield Maiden program, you and so many others just poured in me and you started um, ridding me of the rejection and the abandonment prison that I was still living in. And so I counsel people to find a great coach, work with a great coach, get involved in programs where you feel inspired and encouraged and guided into starting over. Um, That has helped me. I, you know, I was at this level when I started working with you guys and now I'm already here in just the last six months. So that, that is just, you know, catapult me. Yeah. I mean, your growth has been amazing just in the last six months, but I I mean, I think, I didn't know you six years ago when you got out, that growth was equally amazing, if not more so, right? And you're continuing this upward trajectory of growth. I wanted to ask you this. What do you say to people who are just carrying tremendous amounts of shame, guilt? I made a mistake that can never be reversed. I, you know, people who just go on forever, oftentimes to their deathbed with this guilt and shame. Well, they have to learn about forgiveness and they have to learn about self-forgiveness. And that's, that's, we, we as humans tend to find the ability in ourselves to forgive others for what they've done to us, uh, uh, easier than we forgive ourselves. And true. You have to find the ability to forgive yourself. The other thing, the other big, 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 uh, avenue there are big, big, big element there is to find the ability to say, yes, this happened. Yes, I went to prison for murder. Yes, I'm guilty of murder under the Illinois accountability law. I let's I be did. clear, you didn't kill anybody. No, no, let's I was completely responsible for the right. actions of the shooter. Um, but uh, a young man's death is on my hands. I didn't do anything to stop it. And so um that's hard to live with. Yeah. But I had to get to the point where it's like, I can't undo it. I can't bring him back. It happened. I can either go on with my life and learn how to forgive myself or stay stuck here. Yeah. You have no other choice. If, if there's some, you know, dark moment in your life or some shame or you didn't handle a marriage right, you didn't handle a situation right with your kids and you've broken ties or something, you have to find a way to, to move on. You can't undo it. In some instances, you know, you can, you can repair some bridges, but. uh, So do you feel a lot more freedom once you have forgiven yourself? I mean, what, what's that feel like? 
you do feel a, a lot lighter. You feel like um, that life is worth living and worth facing and that you can still have some good in this life. If you're carrying all this guilt and all this burden and of all your mistakes and shame, it was, it so weighs you down that you're looking through life with this, through this filter of shame and guilt. And, and you just kind of get to the point where, you know, it just, this is your life looking through like this. And when that's gone, it happened, but it's behind you. Now, have you been able to fully forgive your mother and your ex-husband? You know, it was at Shield Maiden um, that I was able to forgive my mother that abandoned me when I was just a child. Um, you guys helped me to realize that um, I don't know what her life was like. Maybe she had been rejected. You know, she was a young woman in her 20s that had five children. And uh, from the court files that I read and from meeting her one time, I realized that she was very poor. And uh, I shouldn't probably take it personal. She probably didn't just say, oh, Tammy, you're horrible and throw you away, uh, threw me away. You know, she's she just had a set of circumstances in her life that she couldn't deal with. And, and when I free, freed her, I freed myself another layer of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. The ex, the ex-husband, uh, from some of the mistakes that, you know, path, he got me involved in things. Um, but I was able to forgive him at our last circle of champions meeting, but the real deal was, um, I was blaming him. I was hiding behind him and the mistakes that he made. Oh, my husband did this and I was shoving him out there and no, Timmy, you, you walked down this path. You chose this path. He may have, you know, taken you to the path, but you got on the path and you walked it. So that yeah. made it easier for me to forgive him because I was able to take a look at it from my own vantage point of what I did and my responsibility. Wow. That's powerful. There's a lot of power in owning your own shit, right? Owning, just saying, yep, I did it. Yep. And you know what? It's already happened. <laughs> yeah. I have people that throw my case in my face and, and there's times where, you know, and I get it. I understand if I read about my case, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not so sure I want to work with her or whatever, or be around her, but you can't crucify me with the past that I've already survived. Yeah. And I think that somebody needs to hear that your past is in your past and you survived it. And now it's time to walk away from it and move on and go forward and be the person that you were created to be, find the gifts that you have and walk in the power of those gifts and be the person that you like when you look in the mirror every morning. Powerful. And that's exactly what you're doing. I try to. I'm so excited to watch your story unfold as you begin to tell it on social media. You launched a TikTok account and started talking about this within 24 hours. Let's let's be real. Within like two hours, you had thousands and thousands and thousands of likes coming in. You're almost up to a million views on one video that you posted days ago. And as you're telling your story, people are coming forward saying, I can totally relate to this. I was in jail or I'm starting over or how'd you do it? You're my hero. And I'm watching you inspire people. And it's truly phenomenal. Well, um, I, I attribute the TikTok success to you and your coaching of how to set this account up. And uh, if I wouldn't have done it, uh, 
with the steps you gave me, I'm sure the platform wouldn't have been uh, become the success that it has as quickly as possible. But uh, Cindy, you don't find someone with a past as dark as mine very often that has risen above it. And uh, so I think that's what people are resonating. You know, I, I think so too, because take the sensationalism out of it, right? Your story is sensational. And people love stuff like that. We have an appetite for this kind of story, right? True crime is so popular. But the other layer to this is that your story is one of redemption. It's one of healing. It's one of, um, uh, you know, you're a, you're a Hollywood movie. That's what you are, a walking Hollywood movie. You're a, you're a Cinderella story. And so people love that. People love to read about it because it gives them hope. So that's what you're doing. And thank you for doing that. Well, thank you for, um, you know, inviting me here today and uh, guiding me. And a lot of the freedom that I have right now is because you have poured into me, <laughs> answered my text at, you know, in the middle of the night, like, Tammy, do this and just guided me uh, and been there for me when I, when I needed that next push. And yes, kick me when I... <laughs> Me and, and many others, there's a whole group of us that are very, very invested in you. And very, very much so. But uh, if anybody has the opportunity to coach with this lady, <laughs> take it now. You will soar. I promise you, you'll soar. She pours oh. her heart into you. It's honestly been a pleasure and an honor. And if you guys want to, there's so much more to Tammy's story. Obviously we just really scratched the surface. We didn't go into any details. There's so much to tell. I just wanted to give people an overview of your story so that they can reach out to you on TikTok, or you're going to be going on Instagram as well, find you and start reading or uh, watching your story as you have put it out there on video. And so you can find her on TikTok as TK. Ryzen. That's R-I-Z-E-N. T-K Ryzen. She's on TikTok and you'll see her soon on Instagram. Find her, follow her and watch her videos. Amazing story. Thank you so much. And I just, I just have to say, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And I can do it. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if you enjoyed the program today, please feel free to share. I appreciate you. Get out there and start living your best damn life. Until next time, take care.